1: Welcome to the show today. We're going to be diving into the leadership mindset. Over the past few seasons, I've had the pleasure of interviewing coaches and experts from around the country that work with leaders to cultivate an effective mindset. Leray Kwai, a featured guest from last year learned to develop mental toughness through her experience as an FBI agent through her coaching practice. She now works with clients to help them develop this mindset and overcome self-limiting beliefs.
2: Most self-limiting beliefs start out in childhood and unfortunately they're usually the result of things that either parents or teachers say to us in all well-meaning way but to either protect us or to to mollify hurt feelings if something doesn't work out. It's like, oh, that's okay. You're just not that good at this, but you're wonderful at this. I mean, that's a natural response. But what it does is plant this seed in that child's mind that, hmm, I'm not good at science or I'm not good at art or whatever it happens to be. And that's a message that we just keep carrying with us as as we become adults. And it can really, it, it creates a barrier around where we'll go when it comes to confronting a roadblock. We just say to ourselves, no, I, I can't do that. If we look at what our self-limiting beliefs are or the obstacle or whatever it is and trace it, trace it to where it started. And usually it's going to be in not always in early childhood, but somewhere in those formative years, probably between the ages you know, of two or three months all the way up to about 20 or twenty. Five, And at that point, our brains kind of start to stabilize. Instead of forming, it can still grow, but we have to put more effort into it. And that's where adults, they, they become stagnant. They don't push that brain to continue to learn. And it can. It's not like your brain automatically stops. I think it physically stops growing at about your early 20s, physically. But it can continue to grow other ways until you're 90.
1: What keeps most people from being mentally tough?
2: Well, that's a great question, Tony. It gets right to the heart of it. Um, First of all, let me define what mental toughness is, because I think a lot of times people think being mentally tough is bulldozing their way through obstacles or problems or whatever. And that might work in football, but it's not going to work in business and life. So I define mental toughness, and this is my definition, but it is managing our emotions, our thoughts, and our behavior in ways that will set us up for success in both business and life, because we all know how emotions can take hold and that influences our thinking. And what we're really talking about is creating the right mindset and the way you think about your problems, the way you think about yourself, addressing those problems, that becomes mental toughness because you become mentally tough when you're able to control or manage your response instead of being surprised by it.
1: So that brings us to rewiring your brain for new patterns of behavior. That sounds like that could be borderline painful.
2: You know, there is this thing called neuroplasticity. And basically what it is, is the understanding that the brain can rewire itself. And this means that we can change the way we think about our problems because there is a period of time which memory is unstable. It's volatile and unstable for the first few hours. If you have something happen to you that's a negative experience, keep this in mind. You can change your memory of an incident if you can change your memory of it. So if you have an argument with somebody, if you're in a situation where you've got a bad memory of it, try to revisit it or address it as soon as you can because you can change your memory of it. My approach is to use neuroscience with just behavioral science to change the way we think about our obstacles. I mean, for example, negative emotions are at their weakest when they first appear. So if you have this niggling negative thought that comes up, the time to nip it in the bud is now before it gets traction before it grows legs before it can really take hold and there are people far smarter than I who have done research on this so I am I am borrowing from their work but the best way to handle a negative emotion is simply to address it acknowledge it and say yes that is anger and use as few words as possible because when you start to enter into a dialogue about why you're feeling negative about something, again, you allow it to expand in your mind and it grows. And so the best way to nip a negative thought is do it early and do it quickly. Uh, the other thing I think, something that again, Rick Hansen did this, you and I agree, we all share information. but Rick Hansen done some pretty interesting research and negative thoughts, the brain pays more attention to negative thoughts than to positive thoughts. And the reason is this because back in the saber-toothed tiger days, man wanted to get lunch, not be lunch. And so we are conditioned to pay more attention to negative information because it could impact our safety. Positive information is nice, but negative information is what's going to stick with us. So, you know, negative thoughts are like Velcro, they stick positive thoughts are like Teflon. They're nice, but they slide away.
1: I also learned growing up as an athlete that the more I would visualize the outcome I wanted, in other words, play some of the game in my head before we played the actual game, uh, I had better
2: outcomes. Oh, Tony, it is such a great, I call it a mental toughness tool, but basically again, it's you managing your mind rather than your mind managing you. And sometimes we know what that monkey brain can do. It's just all over the place. Visualization, it releases dopamine. When you visualize yourself performing as a football player, as a coach, as a speaker, or before your team, as you're getting ready to launch a new product, you're getting ready to do whatever you need to do. If you visualize that and it comes out in a way that's realistic, that is a success, your brain stores that. It produces dopamine. Your brain cannot tell the difference between your visualized success and a real success. So when you get into the real situation, your brain is on autopilot. It's been there before. And it really helps performance. It's an amazing tip for people who really want to take their game to the next level.
1: And don't you find too that if it's been in that pattern a lot, it also gets bored?
2: Yes, it needs to be mixed up. You know, that's the other thing. I ask people all the time what is in your petri dish? As an FBI agent, I was never handed an investigation where the answer was given where it was a you know a slam dunk that this was the answer. No, it was a Petri dish. And so you go around the problem for your first option, your first attack at something is going to produce a satisfactory answer. The answer is probably no. So you keep at it. So you're, you become very comfortable with failure, but that is not disheartening.
1: One more here before we move on. Empowering yourself, the opposite of being helpless.
2: The best lessons in life almost always show up as barriers. And I mean, I will, I will tell you this, the FBI Academy spent f- almost five miserable months there at the U.S. Marine Corps Base in Quantico, Virginia, which is where our academy is located. And if our coaches were not pushing us into our discomfort zone, past our barriers, every single day they weren't doing their job. Now, for some people, that was firearms, for some people, it was physical fitness, like me. For others, it was the academic. We had to take a lot of academic tests because we had to learn all federal laws that the FBI enforces, right? So I, I came to terms with this is the moment when the rubber met the road because I came very close to being washed out of the academy. I born and raised on a cattle ranch. I had never learned how to swim and one of the requirements to graduate from the academy was to dive off a 25-foot diving board into a pool of water holding an M16 and then swim to the other side of the pool still holding the weapon. All of that was a requirement and I didn't know how to swim and I got up there and I just I knew I was going to die. I mean I i just knew I was going to die. I mean I saw even accomplished swimmer's after that jump, coming up with that gun, gagging and spitting and then trying to get to the other side of the pool. And I, I had to just find the courage. I had to dig really deep. I had to come up with some very positive thinking at that point, at that very moment. I mean, I'd never heard of a new agent drowning. Uh, I knew the FBI wouldn't want the lawsuit. My parents would launch against them. And the guy gave me a life vest, my coach, he said to take the life vest, just, just do it. And so I did. I jumped and I came up gagging and I basically crawled on the bottom of the pool to the other side of the pool. But I had my weapon. It wasn't pretty, but I got there. And this was the thinking that the FBI instilled into me. And this is why I say empower yourself. It's the opposite of helplessness. This is my thinking as I got out of the academy. Throw me in anywhere, any part of the country, any assignment, heck, throw me into the middle of a pool. I will survive. I will make it. I will find a way to get to the other side of the pool or to do what I need to do in order to accomplish my job. It wasn't easy. First of all, if it's easy, then you don't learn anything from it. I really hate to say that, but it's true. I mean, life is hard. Pain is inevitable. Growth is optional.
1: Right.
2: That's where we all fit in right there. And so we're often not pushed past that barrier, unless there is an obstacle, unless there is something that's hard. Our
1: mindset discussion is just beginning. Stay with us to hear from more experts when Better Than Before returns. Brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. We
3: fit a lot of life into our Subaru Forester. Over the years, we trusted it to carry and protect the things that were most important to us. (laughs) We always knew we had a lot of life ahead of us. That's why we chose a car we knew would be there for us through
0: it all. Welcome to the all-new 2019 Subaru Forester, the SUV for all you love. Test drive one today at University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here, been here, always will be here. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com.
1: Welcome back to Better Than Before. We're talking about mindset today, and one of the most important aspects of leadership is developing the correct mindset. Last year, I spoke with Anna Malikan, a CEO of Amaze Coach, about the difference between fixed mindset and a growth mindset.
4: There is an author that I absolutely love. It's another psychologist. Her name is Carol Dweck, and she organizes the mindsets in like in two big groups: the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. And the the fixed mindset is the ways that set of glasses that we put that we see a certain qualities like intelligence, like talent to drawing as a fixed thing, something that we are born with and we cannot change too much. The grow mindset is areas that we see, no, we can learn, we can improve.
1: You got me thinking here. So in the fixed mindset, those things are not changeable, is that?
4: Yeah, that is the belief that we have about it.
1: Okay, and and then in the growth mindset, those things are variable and can be.
4: Yes, and usually, because you ask, how do we know about the mindset? Usually, we are not aware of the mindsets. And there are many different ways of defining it. I will keep it as simple as I can, because I think the importance is to get an idea then that we can work with it. So we can see the mindset as like the habits of our mind. It's like a set of collections of thoughts and beliefs that we have that really shape the way we see the world. It's like almost the glasses that we see through And we see everything around us and really affects the way we think, the way we feel and what we do.
1: And so... How would one become aware of their particular mindset?
4: And that is a tricky thing because it's mentioned, and I don't know if you wear glasses or not, or you ever used to wear glasses. But it's like when we are a set of glasses for a long time, we stop to become aware that we are seeing the world through glasses. We stop to see the frame around. We just see what we see. And this is the way that our brain interprets that. So we have to become aware that we are wearing these metaphorical kind of glasses that condition the way that we see the world. And it's a little bit more complex because in some ways we will have several type of glasses that we put in several type of settings because our mindsets, our collection of beliefs that we have are different from setting to setting. Is something that we really have to work in that self-awareness to analyze our thinking and realizing that, oh, okay, maybe I have this tendency to think this way and this is affecting my life in this way. But it's not something that for most people come in a natural way. Let's put it that way. We have to learn it.
1: So the, the mindsets are really sort of like the lenses in the glasses, right? Yes. The things we're looking through.
4: And we have the power of changing that. That is the thing. Because everybody nowadays, mainly in the business entrepreneur world, speak about how mindsets are important. Mindsets are important. It's a a word that is very used. But, okay, if they are so important, what are we doing our day-to-day about them? Not much. So that idea of creating a space where people can do a workout in their mindsets to become more aware in the way that they are thinking and exercising, like becoming more flexible and experimenting with different ways of uh, seeing the world really can be beneficial.
1: How do we get the lenses that we have? How do those develop?
4: It's a lot about, okay, there will be, and we go back to nature and nurture here, what is... uh, People will have some tendencies that we are born with in terms of pessimism, optimism, the way uh, some tendencies that we have without any doubt, our personality has a lot of things that has to do with our genes. But at the same time is the interplay of our genes with the since the moment that we are born, we have uh, across our lives and the power that we have to do something about that experiences. We don't need to be always reacting. We, we have this amazing capacity of hmm, be, becoming aware. It's that process of becoming aware, okay, what is going on here? And then making a choice because we can decide to keep uh, uh, blaming ourselves or blaming our genes or be, blaming our circumstances. Or we can, okay, this is what I have. What can I do with it? And that is where change happens.
1: So give me an example of uh, two two examples of a fixed mindset.
4: A typical one that is very common, even a, like I say, a person with a very open and grow mindset in many other areas will maybe have some kind of fixed mindset will be, for instance, if you are not an artistic person, you will think, "Oh, I cannot draw." because when you try to draw something, Like draw your kid, your drawing capacities, maybe they are frozen when you were like 10, 11 years old. And you think that is my talent, I cannot do anything about it.
1: Mm -hmm. So that
4: will be an example of a fixed mindset.
1: All right. And then give me one or two examples of a growth mindset then.
4: Will be the things that you believe that if you put work and that if you put effort on it, you can improve. That really depends on a lot of people to uh, for person to person. But for instance, somebody that starts their own business and they has a growth mindset about learning the skills necessary for their business, they will be much more open to learning about marketing, to learning about sales. And they will put the efforts of reading, of going to trainings or going to self-development events to keep growing because they believe that they can learn. But if it's somebody that, oh my gosh, I was not born with the sales gene, so I will never be a good salesperson. They will not put the effort that is necessary to improve that skill.
1: So does that work that way with the example you mentioned about drawing? If Yes. If, if it's frozen for me at five, but in my heart, I really want to draw well. Am I ever going to be able to do that?
4: Yes. say It's not just a question of one day waking up and say, oh, I'm going to be a great artist or I'm going to draw amazingly. It's not just a question of that openness to the idea. Then you have to do some work to make it happen and focus on it. Maybe you can never be a, a renowned artist, but improving a lot what you can draw that for sure.
1: So it sounds like it has a lot to do with the desire and belief.
4: Yes. And putting the work to make it happen is not something that is going to fall from the skies. There is an illustration, a cartoon that I love that is like uh, two professors, mathematicians that are in like in a big board, the blackboard and they start with the equation, and then they have the results. And then in the middle, like poof, like the mystery thing that happens that is the work that we have to put out every day to make it happen. It's like the, the same thing that people see somebody being very successful and this, oh, this is like instant success. Like 99% of the times it's not an instant success. It's loads of work behind and then there is an opportunity, things align and then things become big. But there is loads of work behind it.
1: Yeah, I've often marveled at people who uh, see someone whose talent is fully developed and they've reached a mastery level in an area of their life. And they do not see all the work that went into it. They're just seeing it at mastery level. And uh, we don't have any idea what it
4: took to get there. Yeah. And I love in high performance, we look a lot to sports and I love that uh, analogy because if somebody wins a gold medal, nobody thinks, Oh, that person just woke up. he was great. And now he has the, the gold medal. They know that there was a lot of work, even somebody like M- Michael Phelps uh, that uh, is, I think, is still the, the one that won more medals in Olympic Games. And uh, nobody doubt how, how much effort and work he did to get there. Of course, he had natural things that help him to be a, a great swimmer. But if he didn't have put to work, he will not arrive to the level that he arrived.
1: So... Um, How powerful are these things in our lives and careers? Uh, Are they big difference makers uh, on mindset?
4: I truly believe that they are. Uh, There is a quote that I absolutely love and maybe you are familiar. That is, watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character Watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. And I truly believe in this. The way that we think determines a lot to do how we are in the world, how we feel things, and what we do about all of that. Yes, the things that we do, the circumstances in our lives will also have an impact in our thoughts. There is an interplay in both directions. But I believe that we have an incredible Power between our two years and the way we think that most of the times we are not tapping into all the power that we have there.
1: We'll continue our discussion with another expert on Better Than Before right after this.
3: We fit a lot of life into our Subaru Forester. Over the years, we trusted it to carry and protect the things that were most important to us. <laughs> we always knew we had a lot of life ahead of us. That's why we chose a car we
0: knew would be there for us through it all. Welcome to the all-new 2019 Subaru Forester, the SUV for all you love. Test drive one today at University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here, been here, always will be here. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com.
1: on the show. And in our last segment today, we'll complete our mindset discussion with Julie Poddiker, author of Life Falls Apart, But You Don't Have To. Last season, Julie offered a few strategies to rewiring your brain to counter chaos and negativity.
3: Okay, so the rewiring your brain thing is so cool. And it's actually simple. When you're feeling a feeling that's good, like awe or joy or gladness, sweetness, if you let it land for a moment or two and really feel in your body how good it feels, you're rewiring your brain for more happiness and resilience. So what fires together wires together, and you're creating these neural bridges that counteract the negativity bias that all of our brains have because we're primates So this is a huge body of work, and really the granddaddy of it is Rick Hansen. I took his positive neuroplasticity training professional course, and that sounds like a lot of mumbo jumbo, but really all it is is taking in the good and letting it land so that you're creating a happier brain, which creates a happier human, and then you interact with other humans, and you've got your happiness, and then they're mirroring your neurons, And so it goes, rippling out and out and out, and we all become happier, healthier humans.
1: One of the pieces of the book that really spoke to me, I have a harsh inner critic, and I've worked on it over the years, and especially if I think I should win and I don't, uh, that inner critic can be very, very harsh on me, uh, which is just the, the voice inside my head that's being critical of me we all have that nagging internal voice.
3: The The actual term for that whole modality is inner critic work or parts work. And it's internal family systems. Dr. Schwartz has an entire institute for clinicians to learn how to do this, to help train people to make friends with basically and get to know all the different parts of themselves. And in the mindful self-compassion curriculum that I'm trained to teach, there's two exercises that I have in the book that are really helpful, and they're writing exercises. And in one of them, you come up with a problem that's not like your biggest doozy, but something like, I wish I ate less, or I exercised more, or something like that. And then you write to yourself as your inner critic would write to yourself and then you you write to yourself from this other voice this like all-knowing compassionate lovely gosh like beauty voice Mm. that is your compassionate voice that's actually in there and it's incredible how different the two of them sound my inner critic voice is get up off the couch you lazy fat ass don't use your orthopedic issues as an excuse to get on those exercise machines and my self compassionate voice is sweetheart come on i want you to exercise because you'll feel better because it's healthy because you know it's like this motivating gorgeous magnificent voice and that is that voice is always available to us
1: I'm curious do you train that voice to use the words we or you
3: I'll say Julie sweetheart to my own self I see and then I'll say what I would be saying to a dear friend somebody that I loved about the exact same issue it's amazing and when what you'll realize is your inner critic really was trying to keep you either safe or motivate you or have you do your best or whatever it is it's not really a demonic thing this inner critic it's it's usually the voice of a primary caregiver is what they say in the literature and previously i'm I'm gonna be 58 so back in the early baby boomer days most likely it was your mother today, it could easily be your father. Um, And that voice was always the voice that was trying to raise the bar, right? So you just need to make friends with that voice and say, I understand you're trying to help me be the best, but you're not that skillful. You can stand down now. I'll take it from here.
1: You also talk about core values. And uh, I work with my clients a lot on core values because it sets the tone for the culture but you bring it down to an individual level. Tell me about that.
3: Figuring out what your core values are is a wonderful exercise. And then making sure you're living in accordance with them is how you can feel a sense of calm, having nothing to do with mindfulness calm or meditation calm. It's a whole nother area to explore where if one of your core values is lifelong learning and you're not reading and you're not taking a continuing ed class or something online, why not do it? It might make you really happy.
1: Yeah. Why are you denying yourself? Right? Exactly. So here's another issue that comes up from time to time. I'll be working with a client and I'll bring up the subject of meditation. You know, the answer, you know, well, I, I don't know how, I don't know when I'd ever have time to do that. I'm a really busy person. You got some tips for putting meditation in as a ritual?
3: Oh, yeah. People just have to do it at this point. It's like Nike. Just do it because it's scientifically based. There's a tipping point. Everybody knows they should do it. They know their blood pressure and their heart rate's going to go down. And if they're depressed or anxious, they'll feel a little better and their well-being will go up. So blah, 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 blah. They need to just put in the earbuds, put on Insight Timer app. It's free. Pick a meditation for how many minutes you have. Let's say you only have five minutes. Fine, start with five minutes and do it every day. And what you'll find is you'll feel calmer.
1: I think it's like most things. I mean, once you've had the experiential part of it, you've experienced it, you're like, oh my gosh, this feels wonderful. Like, why haven't I been doing this? But it's hard to get people to cross the line of experience. Do you have things you tell skeptics about it?
3: Yeah. I say just don't be a skeptic anymore. The evidence is overwhelming. So it doesn't even make sense to be a skeptic anymore. It's kind of dumb. So just do it. And then the proof will be in the pudding because you will feel a sense of calm and peace. You're going to want to do it more. So eventually you're going to want to make 10 minutes to do this. And really, eventually you'll probably want to make 20 minutes to do this. And then on days when you don't do it, you'll notice that you're not feeling as calm or you're not feeling as balanced. And it helps you learn to pause. And the pause is the sweet spot, right? Between reacting and skillfully responding. So your amygdala wants to react immediately to whatever it is. It's on fire, right? Right. You want to get your prefrontal cortex online. Takes maybe 12 seconds, 13, 14 seconds. That pause That pause is the golden nugget, and meditation helps you learn that
1: pause. Sometimes I think things that are really good for us in life have the worst characterizations about them. We get all these images and thoughts in our mind about what it is, which isn't what it is at all, and I think meditation is one of those things.
3: Yeah, you know what? People think I can't clear my mind. You're not supposed to clear your mind nobody can clear their mind and not when they're alive. Right. So, you know, that's a huge misnomer. And I think that maybe they get that from um, seeing images of like monks meditating and it's completely Mm -hmm. quiet and chanting. Yeah. And when they, when they see that, you know, those monks, they've been at it a long time so they can do open awareness meditation I don't recommend people start with open awareness meditation. It's annoying watching your chattering mind and watching your thoughts and your feelings and emotions and trying not to attach to any storyline and spin out. Better to just put in those buds and listen to a voice telling you what to do. Just listen to meditation in your car. You're perfectly upright and supported. I tell people when they get to an appointment Try to plan on being a little bit early and do a guided meditation before they go in. And before you go in uh, to your house after work, same thing, because you'll show up kind of more present and more loving and more peaceful because you've changed the channel.
1: If you'd like to hear more of the interviews from these experts, visit our website at clearvisiondevelopment.com. We're brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here, University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. Follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 and on at ClearVisionDEV. On behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and chief producer, William Foster, I'm your host, Tony Richards, reminding you everything gets better when you get better.
0: Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards.